there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split, we bankrupt you. Do you use lightning wallets to pay for things or not? No. Bitcoin Cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than Bitcoin. Miles Town, what's your favorite kind of money? Bitcoin Cash. All right. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 37, the one-year anniversary and bear market survival guide because we're coming in hot with some real positivity at the start of the year. Today is Sunday, the 23rd of January, 2022. I'm your host, Jeremy, and Jet is uh, doing the producing and also going to be filling in as the guest or you know co-discusser as well today so yeah it's been a year of the podcast absolutely uh incredible and we've got a a bit of a section uh so we will we'll talk about that but first things first we've got to get through the usual uh stats and updates so starting with the price the bear market meltdown it is continuing today. Uh, one Bitcoin cash is roughly 288 US dollars. One BTC buys about 122 uh, BCH. And generally just like the fear in the markets has, uh, has been increasing. So I personally am actually quite relieved because I've been consistently bearish on this show in the last episode, in the Christmas episode and all that. So I hope everybody is uh, staying safe and surviving <laughs> the collapse of BCH and all other uh, cryptos. Uh, but, you know, it is just um, the way of the world. Uh, and I'm kind of uh, not really, you know, surprised to see it. I do think we will be seeing over, you know, well, basically, I think we're in the crypto winter, right? So uh, historically, Bitcoin... Uh, spikes, you know, roughly every four years in a huge wave of adoption as everyone gets really excited. Uh, And then, you know, things get to a new paradigm. Everybody's euphoric and all that. Uh, But of course, that hype doesn't last because the actual uh, groundswell of adoption is rising, but hasn't caught up to that uh, and then sort of crashes down uh, and people end up uh, kind of in this long, slow grind for the next, you know, two to four or five years, uh, depending basically where everybody is just, the price is just slowly, slowly, slowly declining and everybody's really uh, sad. And, uh, you know, but that's when the true uh, strength of the crypto markets, you know, is found because whoever was got a bit overexcited, well, they kind of have to learn some hard lessons and the companies and stuff that have real valuable products kind of get left behind as everybody else kind of gets washed out of the market because all their funding and stuff uh, dries up. So essentially, that's that's what you know the situation I think we're in. That's what I've been saying for quite a long time. You know, even uh, even pretty much since not since the start of the podcast because it was still in hype at that stage, but. Uh, definitely since you know may of last year so everybody else uh claiming that it's the bull cycle and we're going to the super cycle and new heights well 
you know, probably not looking too good for them at the moment. But hey, you know, anything, anything can always uh, change. I don't know, Jet. <laughs> Are you laughing there? Are you gonna? Yeah, yeah. Something, gonna... something. Stock to flow. Something, something. It's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all completely out the window. That's the funniest thing about it. Actually, is you know all the uh, all the tweets of oh, we're going to be 100k in 2021. That's all been memory hold. Everybody hastily yeah. deleting their tweets or whatever a lot of them uh and i saw somebody as well calling out like laserized profile pictures are on the way out because it was laser ray to 100k but 100k is looking a bit shaky uh <laughs> slash uh, maybe never gonna happen Who knows? Yeah. so they're all uh they're all ducking and running for cover but uh yeah it's still been uh still been bearish on this show and you know uh I'm glad of that because it means that, you know, the listeners should hopefully have been kind of expecting this. Uh, and I don't feel any moral uh, obligation that I would have like baited anyone into any <laughs> like bad investments or whatever. Not that I'm definitely going to get every single market movement right. You know, everyone should make their own individual uh, choices. We will like discuss some strategies and, and tips, but for the most part, anyway, uh, the yeah, the market's been melting down and we'll probably continue to do so. So just a heads up uh, on that one. As for the transactions, we've got uh, BCH is you know seems to have flatlined out a bit at about forty five thousand transactions to kind of start the year, um, which is I think a pretty good uh, starting point because the at the start of last year, or technically just before in December, it was had been about seventeen or eighteen thousand transactions for for the longest time, right? So that you know kind of goes to the point that in 2021 maybe the real sort of actual transacting uh volume and economy grew about you know two or two and a half times yeah. uh kind of a range which i think sounds uh, actually fairly realistic once you take out you know a bit of spam from noise.cash and once you sort of uh consider that everybody will be transacting less in the bear market like we've talked out before so i mean that seems to me like a very uh roughly pretty good numbers and i think that gives a pretty good uh baseline for for 2022 really um and then we got the uh sent in usd bch has also kind of dipped off a bit there and bdc has spiked which once again i i ascribe to the markets melting down because in a market meltdown the bch market goes quiet because everybody just holds up a bit on actually transacting and bdc does kind of the opposite which is everybody panics to get out uh so their uh their cent in usd has gone so bch went down you know to 600 million uh from three or four billion down to 600 million and has started rising back up to 1.2 1.3 billion and probably will, will rise back up uh over the next you know couple of weeks and then uh bdc yeah had a spike from you know 20 20 billion up to like 60 billion in cent usd so uh yeah as once the market volatility uh gets going the last major spikes were, were also at those uh volatile kind of price points so that uh that sort of makes sense to me i think and uh yeah just just good good to see crypto as volatile as ever Right, so first topic straight into it. Uh, this week, the Bitcoin Cash podcast turns one. The f- very first episode went live exactly one year ago on the 23rd of January. I believe it was a Friday night. 
Um, but I would have to check the calendar. But uh, that was exactly uh, one year ago. And for any viewers that have not been watching the show since uh, that long, Jet, uh, who just doing the producing, he was actually the guest on the second show, which I believe was maybe like one week after that or, or something like that. So he has been here uh, for the whole time. So, you know, his comments on on reflections on the one year will be, you know, are, are going to be very uh, interesting too. But uh, for me, I was thinking about today, looking back, uh, watched a little bit of the first episode and just reflecting on on what had changed between then and now. I mean, it seems pretty quick, actually. I mean, this, it's hard, sort of hard to believe that this is the, the 37th episode. Uh, but one year ago, really... I it, the world was just a much darker place you know I do honestly believe that we're getting into a more hopeful year in 2022 like last year when I started the show it was in the middle of super harsh lockdowns in in the UK you know everybody was feeling very isolated it was just a tough time it was the middle of winter actually it was pretty rough and kind of dark winter in London um but yeah one one year later i'm feeling a lot better actually the world seems to be sort of returning to some sanity um the kind of narrative in the mainstream media is rapidly falling apart uh and crypto seems to also be doing i mean obviously the market's melting down right now but the actual uh awareness of of individuals and the sort of momentum of the scene especially in bch does does seem to be building so yeah i mean i've got a few uh things that i want to go through here a few categories but yeah i want to get your thoughts on each of these categories as well too like what what what, what do you think one year ago to now are things different what what's oh. yeah well on my side from the the lockdown thing like i'm gonna try and make this kind of quick because i was bitching about it i think yesterday <laughs> morning on twitter like Everyone's like, oh, do your part, do your part, do your part. I have been so socially isolated. I'm going insane. Like, I think my 2022 resolution, a late resolution, but something I think I need is to get more involved in the meat space again because I'm losing it. And I, at least yeah. I'm recognizing that. So, um, Self-awareness, yeah. No, that's that's definitely good. I mean, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, you just got just to gotta go outside a bit more, you yeah. know? like We actually just if... went into another lockdown here, so. Oh, man. Yeah. That is insanity. All right. Well, Canada, definitely off the deep end, but uh, at least in the, in the UK, things are looking better and probably in several uh, parts of the world. RIP uh, Australia, shout out <laughs> to my homeland, still, still looking like a mess, to be honest, but uh, what are you going to do? Right. Well, anyway, at least one of us is having a good year. So my favorite thing from the last uh, year, from one year of the podcast, I was reflecting on, you know, sort of all the the videos, the different guests and so on and so forth that we've had. Uh, my favorite thing was the disloyal video clip that uh, I made at uh, Canary Wharf. That was, it was just such a huge project in terms of uh, making the whole song and then doing the video clip uh, as well. And I think when I watch it now, I've watched it, you know, every couple months or something. I just I think, oh, you know, let me just watch that again. And I think it's held up uh, pretty well. And I think in given a couple more years 
of uh you know of, of time it will it will come to be come to, you know it will age pretty well like uh at the at the time when we were actually filming it and stuff i had I had quite a different sort of plan for how it would be. Like I had a lot of different places that we could have done uh, filming that would have been like, uh, you know, really sort of sit, not cinematic, but they would have been good on camera, you know, and could have done takes here and done this and done that. But then on the day when obviously we tried to do it, the security guards at Canary Wharf were not uh, really loving our, cryptocurrency promoting <laughs> film scrappy setup uh and we got kicked off for not having a um you know a permit and stuff which of course they were sort of said oh it would be easy to get a permit just apply to that no way they were never going to give us a permit and i knew that and they knew that and so it was both kind of like oh yeah no we didn't know you needed a permit oh they'll definitely give you <laughs> permit uh but you know so i was a little worried that it was not when we were doing the filming like at the end of that day when we'd done all the filming i sort of felt like maybe it's going to come out a bit a bit shit but at the end of the day it did come out it it came out uh sort of authentic i think uh and just even those shots that we did film like filming in the bathtub and stuff like that that just added a bit of a bit of humor it just goes to show that it was not all sort of well produced especially because at the time in canary wharf when i was there there's a shot at the start of um my guitar and like my water bottle and stuff sitting on the sign for canary wharf right behind us there was uh some people filming sort of an ad or something like that and they had about 20 people all dressed up to look like a stock footage people you know with the suits and then uh you know clean white shirts and everything and they were getting them to do this most basic walk <laughs> over and over and over again until they got the exact corporate perfect uh take and the uh one of the ladies who was on the staff there she came over to me because i was sitting there with my guitar and everything and said oh what are you doing it looks like you've got a camera and stuff are you are you involved in it i said no I'm just making a music video. And she was kind of like, oh, okay, well, we've got the permits and everything like that. And I was like, I don't have a permit. Don't worry. I'm just going to stay out of your way. Um, But yeah, in, in hindsight, that was, that was probably my, my favorite part of the, part of the, the, the last year, I think. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you had any, had any favorite part of, of being involved in the, in the show. I mean, I guess we'll get onto the favorite episodes uh as well in a sec but yeah i think it's hard for me to say like this is my favorite thing but i definitely have like a top three favorite episodes okay all right cool we'll get to that in a second then so my biggest surprise from doing the you know podcast over over this year has been you know sort of in the first episode i i kind of talked about it, and in the second episode i decided okay i'm going to make the tagline uh following bitcoin cash on its rise to global reserve currency and i've been like shocked that not one single person, whether in person or online or anywhere, has has tried to argue about that with me. Like, not one troll on Twitter or anybody has said, mate, you're delusional. And I mean, obviously, people, you know, might think that and then just not say and just think, okay, look, this is crazy. Jeremy with his, like, you know, project or whatever like that. But not not even a troll on Twitter. Nobody has had a go. Nobody has stepped up to the plate to even try and debate, you know, take the other side of that. Even just to be argumentative. 
Uh, so I sort of take that as like, actually, maybe more people in the world than I expected are sort of getting the idea that maybe they might think, okay, well, maybe not Bitcoin Cash, but sort of the whole cryptocurrency thing has now kind of got enough uh, momentum that people are sort of like, yeah, maybe this is what's going on. Maybe we are all just going to ditch, you know, fiat currency, which has been the story, obviously, since Satoshi mined the first block as far as Bitcoin goes. But the rest of the world kind of signing up or getting that idea going and the the government's increasingly being like, well, we've got to make a sort of crypto, you know, CBDC or or something. But the more they kind of float that, I think the more everyone thinks, well, the free market has been doing this for ages. Maybe they've just got it right, you know? Does, I, I, I don't know. Do you agree with me? Do you think that's that's the case? Or, or are people just being polite? They're like, Jeremy's delusional, but they're just, you know, not going to bother arguing with me. I think there's uh, a lot of maximalists that will just, like, write you off and be like, well, he's a B-casher. He's obviously delusional. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't True. know if they'd engage, but if if like not one i think does kind of say something i'm not quite sure what that something is but yeah it's there yeah i mean like you know even interesting uh shout out to bennett tomlin uh who's sort of a crypto skeptic i guess he would describe a crypto critic he would describe him uh self as you know and he came on the show and he was like a really good sport about it so he didn't say anything um you know, not that he was under any obvious, maybe he thinks, yeah, there's a decent chance to that. Uh, I don't know. But I do want to have, you know, hopefully as time goes on, on the show, more people who are not necessarily in the BCH scene. I've promised, you know, a few times that we'll, at some point, we've got to get a BDC supporter on and have a bit of a direct uh, debate with them. I've kind of done that by proxy with reviewing uh, and the same with Vitalik, you know, reviewing some clips of him to get more of an Ethereum perspective or reviewing those stuff by Dan Held or the Kim.com debate. So I've kind of tried to get those voices in there a little bit. Uh, but maybe as the show gets a bit bigger, might have a bit more uh, room to reach out to, you know, other segments of the community, um, like the global community or the crypto community uh, and, and get some of those uh, people on because that would be really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to be tough, uh, for them. It's going to be pretty gutsy by anybody who wants to come on this show, uh, and argue against, uh, against BCH. Right. So we got, I also thought about my favorite episodes. So I have my top three, so I'm going to just run through them and give, uh, well, maybe we'll just do, we'll do it one by one. I'll do my number one, then you can do your, uh, number one and sort of with the reasons, I don't know if people usually do like that counting down or counting up but anyway the number one my favorite episode uh when i thought back to all of them was episode number 17 which was called bch in argentina and the history of cryptocurrency and that was with marcelo fleischer who is a 2010 bitcoin adopter and not only was the actual uh content of the episode itself I thought really, really good. I think it's, it's, it's like three hours. It's one of the longest episodes and it goes through, uh, you know, the history of, 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 of Bitcoin starting from uh, even before the, even before the invention of Bitcoin, like some of the backstory as well too. And uh, in that episode, yeah, I just thought we just covered everything. And at the end of that episode, 
when we stopped filming it, I felt like, wow, that was that was a really, really great uh, episode. And I was very honored because Marcelo reached out to me and said, hey, can I come on your, your show? And, I, you know, I'm a 2010 Bitcoin adopter. And I said, yes, uh, and obviously, and that, you know, to me, like there's very few 2010 Bitcoin adopters in the world. They are unbelievably rare like must be, you know, less than a couple thousand probably in the whole world. Um, and the fact that even at that point, you know, the show was had done enough that he said to me like, oh, wow, I think you're really giving a voice to the, you know, the original ideas and spirit of, of Bitcoin. So I want to, uh, you know, I'd like to come on the show and, and everything like that. And I think to this day that makes him the earliest Bitcoin adopter on the show. So for for him to get uh, ousted from that, it would need to be a 2009 adopter, which there's probably, what, like a couple hundred, if that, in the whole world. So, you know, I just I just thought that was amazing. And I just felt like, well, I'm, you know, I'm obviously, uh, it's pretty authentic. So, yeah, I recommend that one to the listeners if you tuned in more recently or you missed that or whatever, uh, episode number 17, I think it really really explains uh the whole the whole crypto thing but i'm super curious what's what is your favorite episode hmm, i don't know if i have a ranking for them oh okay um but you but you have three in mind yeah okay all right well just i guess pick one <laughs> all right well i see it i see it on your list too so that state of the revolution episode was definitely in my favorites that was a fun episode it felt yeah. like Everyone was optimistic and and uh, on the total value locked thing real quick, I noticed that despite the market crashing completely, uh, people haven't removed their BCH from smart BCH. So that seems like a healthy thing to me. Um, I don't know. But yeah, anyway, that was definitely one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, so that was my number two favorite episode. It was one of the more most recent ones. Number 35, State of the Revolution, 2021 featuring Ryan Giffen and uh, Vlad Ivanov. And the reason I had it uh, at number two is because, uh, well, partly the, the the some of the clips and stuff, that's the most viewed episode. That one kind of went like semi-viral a little bit on YouTube. So that was pretty cool to see. But I, I thought it was great because uh, I, do, I do really like the group discussion episodes that we do. And that episode firstly to me it just seemed like it set a really good precedent that at the end of this year we can do you know do another like christmas state of the revolution 2022 episode and hopefully you know i can get ryan and uh, vlad back on and we'll be able to really you know establish like a continuing uh narrative year to year and just the end of the year is always just such a great time to reflect on everything that that's happened and having those two guys as guests ryan and vlad they're both, you know, very organic creators in the community as well, too. So, uh, you know, they haven't necessarily been around posting BCH stuff, you know, for five years or uh, like even Vlad is kind of more newer to the cryptocurrency game. Ryan was in just a little bit before the fork, you know, it's these uh, it's just that that spread of opinions. You know, you can have that diverse spread of opinions all in an organic community that believes in the vision of, of Bitcoin cash. And I think that really came out uh, in our discussion. And I think, yeah, that's great to see, you know, to me, that's the number one thing we should be 
we should be trying to do is, is create a, a community. That's, that's really what it is, the BCH uh, community. And I really felt that, that with that episode. So that was my second favorite. All right. What was your number two there? I think it was the uh, round table discussion, I guess. Uh, yeah, um, go on. <laughs> so that was the one we had uh, imaginary username, cheap lightning, Bennett Tomlin, and then the, the two of us. And we talked about uh, a bit about Tether and a bit about uh, the Bitcoin Cash maximalism. Yeah, I think <laughs> right. uh, like the BCH will uh, crash the least. That's one of my favorite things. Like that that whole conversation about us being shit marketers. Uh, I don't know. I really, it's hard. I think it's hard for me to put a lot of specifics on why. The big thing for me is like, I don't really know people as involved in crypto in real life. Most of it is still that, uh, you know, internet niche. And so it's nice to be able to sit down and have a discussion. And it felt like an in-person discussion. And no one was like aggressive with it. Everyone was very civil and polite, even with differing opinions. And it was nice to get, you know, other people's takes as well. So, yeah, those two group episodes were definitely my two favorite ones. Yeah. And I got to say, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that, right? Which is the more as time has gone on, I've, uh, I mean, it's always been super important, right? But I've increasingly appreciated, yeah, the community aspect of, of cryptocurrency, I mean, in some ways, it often gets criticized for being like tribal, and it is <laughs> to a certain extent. But, you know, tribal and community are, do sort of go hand in hand. You know, tribal is just the extreme uh, version, you know, the version that's gone a bit too far. But really, the whole cryptocurrency thing for me, uh, after being more involved in it uh, in this last year, it's, you know, it's changed a lot of the people that I've, you know, met and, uh, or, you know, that I interact with, or the, you know, voices in the world that I'm, I'm listening to, you know, so it's linking up people who otherwise might be like, wait, what nobody's thinking the way, um, you know, I am right. So shout out to cheap lightning who's in the, in the Twitch chat as well. Like, uh, just, you know, when I started with Bitcoin in 2013, the, I mean, I, there was a Bitcoin community and I just followed it on Reddit mostly, but it was like nobody I actually knew in real life except for one. Hey, shout out to Ryan as well, too. Uh, we were just talking about uh, about the episode uh, with you. But uh, yeah, anyway, this, when I started in, um, you know, 2013, it was like nobody. I had one friend who got me into it who was telling me about uh about bitcoin and so we kind of talked about it a little bit and then i got one of my other mates into it so i did have like at least one person who or two people who would you know didn't think i was crazy but everybody else you talked to was just like blank stares or like this is just crazy or don't believe it and so it was just only by having that online community which was kicking off despite how small it was uh that really you know helped to to be a part of it and i think we're seeing that more and more, you know, even as the cryptocurrency community grows, uh, more and more people find crypto either because 
they were already thinking that way or in joining, they sort of start to see the benefit of a lot of their ideals that cryptocurrency uh, preaches, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, definitely that community is a part of it. And then my number three uh, favorite uh, episode from the first year was, I kind of ha- couldn't leave it off the list, uh, was the first episode, which was called White Paper Whitewashing and History of the Flippening. And obviously for me, it's kind of uh, nostalgic and uh, a bit, you know, sort of uh, sentimental. You know, I think back to what I was doing in my life at that time, like I said, the sort of lockdowns and even just the environment of like fear and panic uh, in the world uh, that was kind of going on at that time. I think that will be largely, you know, forgotten to the sands of time. But for me, whenever I look at that, um, at that, at that uh at that episode I, I remember exactly you know how it was um and another reason that i thought it was really good as well too is because it's it sort of set the set the vibe for the show which is the first episode you know it's for the hardcore of, of crypto like if you watch it and i've had a couple of people talk to me and say oh yeah, you know, I found out about your show or whatever. And I started, I listened to the first episode. I just didn't get it. Like it was, you know, there was, it just went all straight over my head. You know, it was like, uh, and I think, you know, and I say to them, yeah, I mean, that's fine. You know, maybe listen to a couple of the other episodes or now you can go on bitcoincashpodcast.com and look at the start guide to kind of get up to speed. But at that time, when I made that first episode, it was essentially for the uh, community at RBTC on Reddit uh, who I knew were having, you know, the same thoughts and thinking the same uh, things as me. And that's people who have already been in the game a long time and they understood and there's all this sort of nuance and, and complexity to it. And so while the show, I do try and make it uh, as approachable as possible because obviously we're always going to have new cryptocurrency adopters and new people coming into the scene. So I do try and sort of explain or highlight those things as they come up. Uh, but probably at the end of the day, you know, this is still going to be, a podcast that is more on the hardcore end of the spectrum. You know, it is obviously quite long episodes. It's quite in detail. And it's also quite specific. Like I do talk about crypto and we do talk about different coins and all that, but it is about BCH and it is about going to number one, like hell or high water, nothing else. Right. Uh, so I like that aspect of it. And I, yeah, I feel like the first episode did actually um, really express that, and similar to the music video, as time goes on, I think that that first that first episode will, will just look better and better in uh, hindsight. So I guess you said uh, the group episodes were your first two, so there must be something sneaking in for that third spot that wasn't in that category, then, right? Yeah, so it's kind of a tie actually between uh, Joel and. I want to say the reason I like that is because I know he's not as heavily involved in Bitcoin Cash. I've seen him um, since I I first got involved in cryptocurrency, and he's always been, as far as I've known him, involved in uh, Dash. And still seeing like the compatibility between why we're involved in cryptocurrency, it's so different just from talking to BTC maximalists. Um, and, and that I can appreciate so much. And then I think... The one that that's tied for is the one with, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this either way, Carol, Leho, um, yeah. and and that meme of the week segment in that episode specifically, I don't think I'll ever forget. That was so good. Um, and But it's also interesting, like he's gone and developed this other coin and um, getting, I think they had some of the most valuable 
you know, outside perspective for me personally. So, and I mean, I, with, with Joel, he was kind of just preaching to the choir, so I can't, <laughs> it was maybe just narcissistically stroking my ego, but uh, it was a good conversation nonetheless. And yeah, for both of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I think, yeah, it is very interesting, you know, like um, both of those uh, guys that you mentioned that as as guests, they're they're definitely both part of the the BCH community, but there's you know there's a spectrum, right? Like you can be all in on BCH, the one true king of crypto, and like fuck everything else, or you can be sort of more like prag- pragmatic, um, like like both of them are, you know, to to some extent. And I think that you know, then that's fine, and that's definitely a key point about BCH is that at the end of the day, I think most people in the world will end up using bch maybe it will be a more um you know it will be recognized maybe once again as being like the king the main game of crypto but that doesn't mean that you know if somebody can be a bch user that doesn't exclude them from everything else which is something we've maintained uh unlike bdc right even you know the big blocker side uh, even in the fork wars and stuff i don't think they were ever that salty about ethereum or about litecoin or about other coins because it was kind of like well obviously people you know that's decentralization and people need there needs to be those options to to opt out if if bdc is getting shit of course people need something something else and i think the community has has maintained that you know bca should be the you know the hopefully the primary coin of as many people as we can possibly get it to but it has to do that by being the best by competing in the free market and becoming the number one coin that has all the reason you know to be involved with rather than you know just as a matter of sort of ideology um so yeah so i do i do agree with you okay that really interesting there oh, but it's it, i also think it's good that we uh overlap that we agree episode uh 35 is uh was one of the crackers too so yeah people can uh check that out so i wanted to say thank you to all the viewers obviously over the the one year you know it's uh been incredible and the show isn't worth very much uh without people listening i mean i would probably do it anyway uh just because it's a way for me to clear out uh my own mind and thoughts but uh yeah you know thank you very much if you've been been listening and hope you enjoyed i've had you know good feedback uh recently of people saying uh they've been enjoying it and i also was thinking about uh things to focus on sort of in the second year so i've got two little um points here that are kind of on my radar for things to improve so number one is to decentralize the content so i have started it on youtube and it's been largely around kind of youtube but this year uh, I will be trying to spread out the means that the content is distributed on. I'm sort of increasingly worried about the censorship on YouTube of a number of different uh, topics and obviously also the increasing sort of reach of like the algorithm. If you get picked by the algorithm, you can rise up. But if the algorithm hates you, you're probably just kind of screwed. Uh, so in both of those respects, I think it's smart to spread out a little bit so there's now a telegram channel for uh discussion uh that i've got there'll be a link in the description obviously uh that i've opened and i've got the the podcast is now on odyssey and i'm gonna get uh some more of the episodes uploaded there and also 
um, going to sort of encourage people to to try and migrate across to that by by promoting those those links instead of the YouTube ones. I mean, I'm obviously not going to take the the podcast off of YouTube. That's where it's got the kind of largest uh, viewers at the moment. Uh, but hopefully, if you are listening to the show and you are one of those YouTube viewers, maybe just consider uh, switching across uh, to some of these other uh, platforms and there'll be more of them coming as well too because essentially the more the better, you know, just just got to decentralize the, the, the message. BCH has always had to fight off kind of censorship attacks. So got to learn from that and make sure um that we're good on that front and the other one is to sort of improve some of the audio uh quality and stuff um wherever wherever possible like that first episode that's another reason that looking back at it kind of makes me laugh because like there's this hiss in the background it's on my laptop microphone it's in the dark like i've been in lockdown i haven't had a haircut in god knows how long and uh yeah you know it all started out as pretty grungy which is which is fine i like that uh aspect it it makes me laugh but uh i do think that you know as as time goes on and definitely to improve the uh experience you know to a larger and larger listener base We've got to, you know, it's not, it's not really like optional or it's not really, you know, something to sort of ignore. It's just the standard expected should be okay. I should be able to uh, make sure I'm, you know, running the show regularly and on time and don't have, um, you know, like we had some audio problems last week, which comes from having different guests and doing, you know, those kind of things, probably just by taking a bit more time and focus on that. Hopefully I can uh, help to minimize um some of those things and i think part of that is because i don't think the content itself has not really been an issue there's been a lot to talk about every week that hasn't really been a problem i haven't really had any great issues with like finding guests or you know the show being boring or anything like that so yeah i think uh just some attention to those like technical details uh could help as well do you have any thoughts on that jet or we'll move on uh, well, I, I do have some thoughts, but um, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up too much. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how 2022 goes. Okay. All right. Well, we're not going to, uh, promise something we can't deliver segue to the next slide. <laughs> uh, so Kim.com. Oh, uh, nice. The- <laughs> the, uh, for listeners of the show who don't know, he is the internet kind of entrepreneur that uh, founded uh, Mega, I think, and then later on Mega Upload, or maybe it was the other way around. And he made a lot of money doing that, uh, you know, allowing people to share files online in the early 2000s. And he's uh, he's a bit of a character. He's an interesting guy, but he has been essentially targeted by the feds where he had his house uh, raided by... Yeah, I don't even know exactly, you know, what letter agencies it was or whatever, but he's had his, he lives in New Zealand and he's essentially under like semi permanent house arrest there because if he tries to leave the country, uh, then a whole bunch of like legal stuff is going to catch up with him around um, content that was uploaded to uh, his site that, you know, the, the media owners in, Hollywood or whatever, you know, mainstream 
people uh, didn't really agree with, and it's just been this long ongoing uh, saga. So he has been on the front lines of fighting <laughs> government overreach uh, for a very long time. But one of the stories of 2021 was that he kind of came out and got a bit involved in the in the BCH scene. He hadn't uh, before that point. He's been aware of crypto and I guess peripherally or quietly involved since about 2012. Um, he heard about it from Roger Veer himself, so pretty good introduction there. But it's only been in the last. Yeah, maybe year, year and a half, probably not two years. Um, that he's been, yeah, kind of uh, getting getting involved, and he did try and talk to the Bitcoin BDC side and uh, negotiate with them to try and move the crypto movement forward. But just founded that there was a lot of delusion and toxicity there, so he kind of gave up on that and got more in on uh, BCH. So. Uh, he had very famously last year this debate with these B- BDC maximalists, which they then later censored and deleted because he basically destroyed their arguments and they felt ashamed of how childish they were uh, as well as how poor their arguments were, uh, which I then later reviewed on this show. So that's another episode. That's episode 12. Uh, if people are interested in, in more of the story about that. Um, but you know, he's been hyping up, uh, BCH, which is great. I totally support that. I love having him, uh, in the scene, but he did announce this, uh, platform that he was going to make called K.im, uh, which was going to be like a content monetization, uh, sort of platform supposedly where you could pay in Bitcoin cash and unlock, you know, a video or a, I don't know, whatever kind of pdfs or whatever sort of content you want and there hasn't really been all that much more detail about that so at the start of last year he published this roadmap which had uh that it was going to be launching and in quarter four of 2021 now of course that time came and the community was a bit like oh wow this might be pretty cool but he didn't really release it instead he'd already changed his story uh, that somebody asked him on Twitter, when when is this going to be coming out? And he said it's planned for the 10-year anniversary of the raid on his house, 20th of January, 2022. <coughs> so he kind of moved the goalpost there. Uh, and then, of course, now, today's the 23rd. Well, the 20th has, has come and gone, and he didn't really deliver. He posted a thread on Twitter uh, where he had a whole bunch of sort of reflections and different things. And he, he sort of obliquely mentioned this with this tweet where he said, I'm currently working on a web 3.0 content distribution system that makes it easy for users to access decentralized files using blockchain technology, uh, kissing face emoji, which he likes to use that a lot. My only crime was that I made 50 million people happy every day, perfectly lawfully more to come dot 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 so he didn't even really say specifically like it's called k.im he didn't give any new info as to when you know the new release date would be he hasn't given us any videos of a prototype you know like i've been i think i've been pretty pretty fair on uh kim on this show over the last couple of months like there was more and more people saying okay he's not going to deliver it's all vaporware etc and I kind of felt like, yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, but, I mean, you've got to give him a chance to deliver. He missed the first deadline. He missed the second deadline. And now he's not really giving any more updates. So 
I mean, it's great if he keeps promoting Bitcoin Cash and everything like that, but I think his credibility is pretty wrecked in terms of delivering projects to the BCH scene because, I mean, I work in engineering. I understand stuff doesn't always hit the deadline exactly, but it's just terrible marketing to promise something and then not deliver because even if even if it wasn't ready, it should be like, okay, guys, look, here's a prototype video that we've done or here's where we expect the next, you know, deadline or update to be. Like just kind of trying to let it fade off into the mists of time and just be forgotten about is, yeah, that's pretty poor form, I think. So, you know, I kind of think at this point, I sort of expect it's never going to arrive <laughs> uh kind of like the lightning network 18 months away tm uh at least you know seven years later that did get somewhat delivered um so yeah i don't know maybe it'll be the same time frame for this but uh yeah i'll believe it when i see it and uh even we had uh jamison lop uh who is a big bdc maxi he was getting his digs in saying when k.im any day now so i mean you know probably yeah kim's definitely deserving of a bit of uh bit of critique there i don't know any thoughts on this one jet i don't know like how much i need a platform to easily monetize my own content like so this will be beneficial for a select group of people that probably don't know who kim.com is and the people that do know who kim.com is are nerds and uh <laughs> aren't like prolific in their content creation so i don't know I, I i honestly haven't followed this too much aside from what i've been exposed to through this show and i don't really care <laughs> either because i'm not going to use it like I, I never used patreon i never used like most of these platforms so yeah yeah fair enough i mean I, yeah, to me, I think the main point is really just that he's like, just that he's kind of shot his credibility, you know, and that the, I mean, the BCH scene is very old school. Like it doesn't truck with a lot of bullshit. And even right from the start, when it was the very first time it was announced, you know, months and months ago, there was already people saying like, I'm not getting excited about this. This looks like a lot of hype. You know, Kim has had a track, you know, questionable track record in some respects. You know, that's where we're going to be at, right? And uh, <laughs> those people have vindicated today. So uh, there, there you have it. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Probably, probably won't be much more about Kim.com on this show unless he actually drops a working product that I can try out uh, at this point. But yeah, definitely, definitely worth mentioning anyway. All right, next thing. Tesla has begun accepting Dogecoin. So obviously we had uh, on the Christmas episode, we sort of talked about the Elon Musk saga. That's also been a bit of a sub theme uh, to this show. I predicted that the next crypto at Tesla would be Bitcoin Cash and maybe Dogecoin. So I was wrong about Bitcoin Cash uh, and I'll accept, you know, I'll put my hand up and accept that. Although with the caveat that you know, I still don't see it as long odds that it could be coming sometime in the future. Uh, but Elon has, uh, he tweeted a couple of months ago about, oh, maybe I'll accept Doge uh, for Tesla merchandise. And now he's actually gone and done it. So you can buy a Giga Texas belt buckle, uh, a cyber quad for kids and a cyber whistle for Dogecoin on the Tesla website. 
the key, the Cyber Whistle and the uh, Cyber Quad are both sold out. So I guess this has been fairly popular when I checked today. Nobody wants a Giga Texas belt buckle, though, even if they can pay in Dogecoin. <laughs> but uh, I thought this was pretty cool. I mean, obviously, uh, it does sort of show the use case of, of cryptocurrency. Uh, and even cooler was uh, one thing that he did actually denominate the prices of the goods. So the Cyber Whistle is 335 Doge. The, these things you can actually just, the, the price is set in Dogecoin. It's not uh, a fluctuating rate, you know, against against the USD, which I thought was, you know, that's super cool. That's that's exactly what we uh, want. And I'm sure these things got a lot of hype just because initially people will pay in Dogecoin just for the novelty but uh, Dogecoin fees have been between 15 cents and 50 cents per transaction. So over time, that seems not really too sustainable that people are going to be doing all that much real commerce at, at 50 cents a, a pop to buy a cyber whistle. Um, but I think it does also kind of go to the point that clearly other coins can and will be implemented at Tesla, right? If Dogecoin has been put in, Critically, BTC has not been put back in. So that was a failure. And just, you know, it's going to be pretty tough sell, I think, to Elon to get to get that going again when, you know, they tried it and it didn't work. Uh, and yeah, Elon remains constantly on the big block hype train talking about you've got to have low fees. Obviously, technology improves over time. Things were pretty different in 2009 versus today in terms of the hardware. But yeah, he just still won't say the exact words. <laughs> Bitcoin Cash seemed to be mysteriously missing from his dictionary. Uh, so I'm still, you know, not sure what that's about. Maybe as more and more uh, discussion goes on as time passes and BDC really just continues to fade out of being the main game. Uh, Michael Saylor even today was talking about Litecoin and uh, various other other coins he's still still sticking to but it'll all end up in bitcoin but still but giving it more credence than he has in the past to to alternative uh options you know so as that as that uh social expectation dies down that it is going to be bdc and only bdc in certain circles maybe elon will just come out banging one day and say bitcoin cash is the real bitcoin (laughs) he won't do that but maybe he'll say bitcoin cash worth a try or something I don't know. Any uh, any thoughts on this latest from Elon? No, belt buckle looks stupid as fuck. <laughs> Who wears belt buckles anymore? <laughs> yeah. That being I said, agree. for kids or not, I'd buy that cyber quad if I had a Dogecoin. Like, that sounds dope. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah get get on some like i don't always i don't always think of uh, quad bikes as being like on sand dunes i don't know why but i guess you can race them around anyway you know just on the street or in the park or whatever but i always just have visions of like kind of uh dune-esque you know <laughs> set up on gosh on arrakis you know with i don't they don't really have quad bikes but that's sort of what it makes me think of here on the uh, east coast of canada they call them four wheelers because we're basic <laughs> four wheelers uh, i don't know bicycle tricycle quad quadcycle <laughs> people mostly go through like wood cutting trails and stuff around here so but a car is also a four wheeler right so that's kind of confusing but mm. 
I don't know, like, yeah, the old four-wheelers. <laughs> All right. Good four, four-wheelers in Canada. Unless Good you're in know. Alberta, then they're quads. Okay. All right. Alberta is the superior <laughs> Canadian uh, linguists. All right. Uh, Good. Now I'll know to when I go there to translate. Uh, well, actually, probably not going to go to Canada anytime soon. But so, uh, so yeah. Here's like on a serious note here. Um, if they are going to accept other cryptocurrencies, I think they might need to. Well, I think they would make the attempt to denominate it on some mutually backed or not backed, but like like something like the US dollar because it's liquid between all of these different pairs at that point. And you could still show the denomination in their respective coins, but I think it would make it easier for the developers running the e-commerce side of things, right? So um, I, I partially think Elon's just doing this as a meme, uh, but if he is interested in other cryptocurrencies, I think it would be probably you know denominated in the US dollar on the back end at least. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, as much as I love to see it that, oh, okay, wow, he denominated it in, in Doge, which is, you know, pretty, uh, you know, pretty, pretty authentic, pretty, you know, to the point that, okay, you could just have a non-fiat economy at the same time. I agree. I think it also indicates that he's not super serious about whether or not this was actually a profitable or worthwhile commercial endeavor. It's more like marketing for the lulls because... If Dogecoin has crashed off massively, which it which it now subsequently has, it did spike on this news and is now down with everything else. Then it just sort of like goes to show. And I mean, you know, it's pretty low risk as well. I guess it's fairly low risk that this is just on this like merchandise store, but it was only a couple of things. There are more, uh, a bunch of different stuff on this shop that you also can't buy in Dogecoin. And obviously, you can't buy an actual Tesla car in Dogecoin either. So it's it's already kind of a bit sidelined from where it was at uh, in terms of the BTC adoption, which then also kind of went into reverse, you know. So, yeah, I think that that kind of just uh, goes to show where, where he's at. But we'll see in 2022, you know, maybe we'll be on the 2022 Christmas episode saying, wow, Elon really came out big with, crypto this year or maybe it'll be kind of he'll be busy you know fighting on some other front we won't hear about him for a while i'm sure he'll find a way to stick his you know foot in the (laughs) in it somehow i do hope Uh, like at some point he does start using bitcoin cash because then i can be like see i was right like we need people to use btc and try all these other coins because it funnels them down and i i haven't seen an example of that aside from the other you know, be cashers uh yeah like the older ones i guess or the ones that have been here longer but like yeah i think we need someone who's uh coin agnostic to be like i tried your shit it's shit i like this one (laughs) i like this coin like i like the coin yeah (laughs) 2022 the year of liking the coin yeah (laughs) i definitely agree i definitely agree you know i think yeah and that that that's kind of it and that's the what i was saying at the start about I think BCH should be the primary coin, but it's got to win on its merits, right? And that that do, that doesn't mean to say people shouldn't try other coins. They should. They should try other coins, and then they should try BCH, and then hopefully they find wait BCH is better yeah. because nothing teaches you know faster. I love that saying. You know, experience teaches harshly, but it teaches best. Like that's the truth. People just when you try it yourself, you just you 
who don't. It's it's so hard to get any propaganda when it directly contradicts your own experience, uh, basically. I was watching so. something like two days ago. Uh, I think this was Letterkenny, to be honest. Canadian show, hilarious, recommended. Um, I have seen Letterkenny once before, I think, yeah. Yeah, and th- there is just a quote, like, I can't remember if it was, yeah, I think it was Letterkenny, and he says, uh, pain is nature's greatest teacher or something like that. And it's like, go have fun on Ethereum. The pain of those fees will teach you so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I also, it also comes to that uh, Ayn Rand quote, which I like a lot, which is just, uh, you can ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. And that's the exact same thing, which is like, Bitcoin people, BTC people or ETH people can claim all they want that everything's hunky-dory and it's fine. But the reality is that new people are showing up and just routing around it into different, into BCH, into other currencies or, you know, finding their own way in this. Like recently there was some news about NFTs has now surpassed crypto as like the most Googled uh, term, you know, and it's just the exact same thing. Crypto had it shot a bit and now it's going to have to get in there the back door because people are just more excited about nfts because btc screwed up and we set back the whole actual currency part of it such a long way uh and it's going to have to sort of emerge from within instead you know all right cool so then we got on the next slide here uh, and this is a bit of a lead-in to our discussion of how to survive a bear market. Obviously, I'm very, uh, you know, predicting a, a bear market and everything like that. But it's kind of worst-case scenario planning, right? If it goes better than expected, then that's fine. You know, everybody will be super overjoyed, so there'll be no sweat about it. But as a kind of in, inter interlude, you know, uh, prologue to that, I've got a slide here called "Timeline to Flip BTC." So. Bitcoin Cash for Everyone at White Rabbit at White Rabbit RC2. I think I'm struggling to read that. Um, White Rabbit <laughs> said, CC2. White Rabbit CC2, right. On Twitter said, when do you believe Bitcoin Cash will flip BDC in market cap? Which has obviously been the vision since day one of the split. And, you know, still like it was on episode one of this show, right? That's the, that's the, the first step is to just take out uh, BDC, probably the first and biggest step too. And uh, there was about 228 votes, so non-insignificant sample size, uh, said 2022 to 2025, which was option one, got 44.3% of the votes. Uh, the second option, 2026 to 2030, which is the one I voted for, uh, got 30.7% of the vote. And 2031 plus, got 25% of the vote. So almost nearly a half by 2025, like close to a third by 2030, and then the quarter by, um, you know, sometime after 2031. And the, you know, the reason I wanted to, to put this in is that, well, two reasons. One is that the BCH community thinks thinks on long time frames, right? That was the whole, it was never in doubt at the time of the split from BDC that it was going to be a, a, a rough choice. It was going to be a hard thing to do and that it was going to cost a lot to try and, you know, uh, fight over the brand name either in the short or the long term. Uh, but the community did it, did it anyway because they could already see 
you know, on this idea of following it to the global reserve currency. People didn't say it like that at that time, but the whole point of Bitcoin was to be the currency that everyone else in the world used. And even at, you know, in 2017, people could say, look, if we go down this road, it's not going to work. Even if it takes four or five years or, or it's not already working now, you know, the fees are already that high, but in the future, it will even get even less tenable. So, uh, so they're kind of happy to take some short-term pain, which will be similar to what we'll talk about with the uh, bear market. And I like that, you know, the BDC crowd are always going on and on about time preference, that who has the highest time preference, you know, that they're so smart because they're stacking Bitcoins for the future while everybody else is, you know, on payday loans or, or whatever. But the fact is the BCH community has a far longer time preference than the BDC community uh, because they're prepared to keep fighting and keep looking to the, you know, the end game of every single person in the world using uh, Bitcoin cash. And I think this poll just kind of shows that. I mean, a quarter of people went for later than 2031. And presumably they're already still fired up about BCH today. You know, they're already, you know, eight, nine, ten years away from that and still think I'm thinking about that, you know, in 2030, where is BCH going to be? I think... Yeah, maybe, you know, it won't take as long because, you know, things change gradually then suddenly and I can sort of see the narrative kind of crumbling away. And then, you know, as the real economy sort of builds up in BCH, you know, that there will be a tipping point where once it's past that point, you know, it will only be, you know, 18 months maybe from some certain point, like, like let's say things carried on for another two years and then in 2024 elon said wait bitcoin cash is i've seen the light that's the best then i think you know at that point there would be enough kind of grassroots um stuff combined with a sudden bit of hype that it would just absolutely kick off or smart bch could be the same if uh, all these different uh, EVM chains that are kind of going along like solana is down <laughs> at the at the moment or it was this week like if, if the, all the money that flooded into Solana or into Avalanche or any of those other coins, if it just decides smart BCH is the next one, that could also be kind of a, a triggering uh, flashpoint for it to just absolutely surge and start uh, crushing it. But I was actually kind of amazed that nearly half people thought before the end of 2025, like that's a fairly short uh, time frame. That's, you know, in the next four years, it's still the start of 2025. 22 i don't know did you have any uh take on this what would you have voted for 2031 plus uh i think the well here's the thing i'm open to the idea that it could happen sooner but i don't think it would be in a good way i don't think it would be organic adoption it would be regulators coming after nfts coming after things like decentraland things like ethereum and all its clones and smart bch would be a target in that and then it would just be like we'd have the top five that we had in 2017 where it was btc ethereum bch litecoin i can't even remember what the other one maybe xmr tether or something yeah 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 Actually, I think XMR has always been kind of down there. Oh, yeah, XRP. There, yeah. XRP was definitely blowing up at the time. Um, so I'd say 2031 plus, but I didn't vote on this. So my voice doesn't count here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it really counts, you know, in this show. It's, it's just interesting to see, like, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in two minds about this, right? If, 
if this many people think that BCH is going to just wreck BDC by the end of 2025, is that a wisdom of the crowds thing? Is there actually a strong uh, sense for that? Or is it just, you know, people are excited and people are fired up and they can, at the very least, they can see something, you know, something is giving them that confidence, whether it's the, uh, you know, I don't know, launch a smart BCH or increasing adoption in St. Kitts and Nevis. I want to talk about that as well, uh, maybe on the show next week or in the Philippines, or they can see that the narrative has changed and BDC are no longer kind of in control. What, what, what's giving people all this confidence? I mean, there was way more confidence when the split first happened, man. People like, I remember being on uh, a certain Mongolian we- basket weaving forums and uh, them being like, like having a dozen threads about how bch was gonna flip btc and now and like people were like hyped about that and now if you see someone mention bch it's like they get shit on pretty quickly um so i think a lot of the flipping hype recently has been from people who maybe get introduced through smart bch and then read a little bit and they're like oh oh shit this is definitely still a possibility but I think it's short-sighted to even really think about it that much right now. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely, whether it's going to you know, be soonish or not, definitely, as a community, we need to just sort of knuckle down and, and yeah, just keep working. You know, we just need to outwork them, basically, yeah. uh, even though we're, you know, smaller right now. And this is a point I really wanted to uh, highlight is that even, okay, setting aside the price, setting aside everything else, uh, Bitcoin Cash, despite having had a very rough uh, period between 2017 and 2021 and the start of 2021 with the two forks, I think it had a really good 2021, as I've said before. Um, Despite that uh, four years of, you know, you could say almost like lost time or the fact that it had, um, you know, it was busy sorting out its own governance and its own sort of decentralized uh, control sort of structure and stuff like that. Uh, in that time, despite that, it is uniquely the beneficiary of the massive amount of work that has gone into Bitcoin mining. Uh, obviously, in all that time, people were still building bigger mining farms and fighting for regulation and trying to get you know green energy in there and all that, all that money and time and energy that went into that, as well as all the stuff that went on with uh, Ethereum and building the ABM and all the other smart chains and all the, um, you know, decentralized uh, exchanges and all the code that was written, all the infrastructure that was built there, all the like community development that happened around those tools. Bitcoin Cash has both of those things, even though it hasn't been really directly involved it has benefited with this uh, EVM chains. Okay. Now we're just copying that stuff across into smart BCH and that's seen is growing super fast as a result, because it's already starting with, you know, 90% of the way there. Uh, and then obviously the liquidity in the community is the, is the sort of catch. That's the hard bit to build, but all of that work and stuff, everything that was done there is already uh, benefiting. And the same with the mining, which is that, if uh, BCH or when BCH starts rising in price, 
it won't need to do anything extra to just suck up all the the hash power and all the interest from the miners and all their setups that they've done all that you know migrating around to escape china which banned things and you know whatever work they're doing to keep themselves sorted bch can just grab that up as like thanks for that four or five years of work uh anytime you know so in that sense i think if flipping is maybe you know closer than than people would expect so yeah i've I've voted 2026 to 2030 and i think yeah maybe 2026 maybe 2027 that kind of range uh is where i see but interesting that you think all right well (laughs) we gotta be still running this show then (laughs) in 10 years because that'll be that'll be hype as hell (laughs) uh when we get there all right so sorry yeah go on real quickly i think we're gonna have a long period where people are absolutely disgusted by crypto. And actually we've seen kind of a rise of that because of NFTs and people being, I don't know, I think falsely concerned about the environment, but that's my own bullshit. Uh, So yeah, I I mean, I've seen so many, uh, I mean, this is Twitter too. So, you know, other people's mental illness doesn't quite dictate reality, but I've seen so many threads about how NFTs and cryptocurrency and cutting things up into small little pieces in the internet that can be owned is a bad thing. And I mean, people have talked about it since the start of Bitcoin, but like there definitely seems to be a vocal uproar. And I don't think they're the minority. I think crypto bros are still the, the minority, right? So we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, but I mean, in one respect, you know, it, it is just the latest FUD, you know, it is just yeah. the latest, like, the latest, like, oh, it's only used for criminal activity. It's only used for drugs. It's only, you know, what are, what are the other it's arguments? It's only used for Bitcoin? No, pictures. no one uses it. Yeah. You know, the the deflationary currency can't work. Like, uh, I kind of remember whatever all the other, but obviously there's been so many stupid arguments against Bitcoin that have all just sort of fallen apart. It sounds to me like what you're describing is the fact that crypto is now big enough, like as the pool of uh, crypto adopters gets bigger, the pool of people who are like adjacent enough to it that they can't ignore it also gets bigger, right? That's fair. And we're yeah. sort of, we're kind of getting to that point, right? Like in the past, anybody who hated Bitcoin was like, I hate Bitcoin and then they forgot about it and then that was fine for the next like three years but now if if you people are talking about because all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> crypto is on we've talked we've been done those uh episodes talking about uh, you know south park and stuff like that if you hate crypto you could be spouting off about it constantly because there's constantly stuff to spout off about uh and people are interested and will listen and you know are very engaged with it right and it sounds more like these criticisms have kind of come down to uh, basically, I mean, it's always been this way, but this is the most biggest round of I don't like it as opposed to there's something wrong with it. Yeah. Um, I think a part yeah. of that too is like the Jake Pauls being like, here's my latest NFT drop. And their kid, like the, the, the fans of those people being 13, 14 year olds with their parents' credit cards. And uh, I feel bad for yeah. them, but. You know, pain is yeah. nature's teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. Full circle. Those those 14-year-olds will all get scammed. But the funny thing about crypto is people get scammed and by and large, they still love crypto. Even if, you know, I think that's one of the most un- underrated things about cryptos. Okay, there's a lot of scams. Yes, there's a lot of problems. Okay, there's a lot of bad actors. All of that is true. But despite that, 
people like lose their private keys or they get scammed or whatever. And they don't think, fuck crypto. Like this is the worst thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, they think I screwed up. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I got taken advantage of, but kind of, yeah, I needed to learn those, those lessons. Like I'm an idiot. I, I, you know, they don't, they don't know. Well, with, with mostly I would guess, and I don't have any data to back this up, people don't actually blame crypto when they have problems with crypto. Largely they, they blame themselves. And there's even stats that go to like back that up in terms of in general customer support. I know that tech companies have done research, which shows that like 75% of customers or something want to be able to solve a problem themselves, or they try and figure it out themselves before they ring the customer support line. You know, if you have a problem with an app, you think, oh, can I turn it off and on again? Is my settings all good? You know, you try and do those things or most people do before they kind of go to someone else and say, please help. Yeah. And if they can solve it that way, then that that's the ideal scenario. So as a tech company, you are supposed to be trying to, you know, give people links to what could I do differently? You know, is this a problem? Check this, try this, uh, et cetera. And crypto is the exact same. So I, you know, I think people, yeah, once they have a problem with crypto, that's when they realize I'm an idiot and they read up on it. And then as that education level rises, they have less problems. And then they can also spread that education to other people. And yeah, so it just becomes a rising tide, even as there is a lot of like scams and problems, basically. And that's not even including the people that pretend like they have some problems with crypto so they don't have to pay taxes on shit. Right, <laughs> the boating yeah. accident thing. <laughs> that one, that one too. All right. So speaking of all that, then let's just go on. So I've got a slide here called "Bear Market Survival Guide" with a pretty funny picture of a bear like waving that I found on uh, Google or on DuckDuckGo. I've switched over to DuckDuckGo now. Uh, that I thought was uh, was pretty funny, but basically, obviously, my um, you know my premise for this show is that. In the long run, crypto is going to crush it. Uh, but in the short term, as I've been saying, I think you know we're basically in a, what's called a crypto winter, which is yeah, the next three or four years. Uh, you know, maybe let's say may, maybe even like two years. I don't know if somehow uh, things got shaken up a lot. Uh, we, the price is basically just going to slowly grind down, and a lot of coins are going to just get washed completely out of the market. So even though BCH has been dropping down the market rankings, it's kind of the opposite to the hype cycle, right? When everything is hype, a lot of coins shoot past BCH because they got flashing marketing and everyone thinks, wow, this is the future. But then the opposite happens when the hype dies away. A lot of those coins also die out. People sell out. They realize it was all hype, you know, and BCH rises up either because the community is still just quietly plugging away or because, yeah, those other coins fall back uh, kind of past it. So, uh, but we are probably going to go into a bear market, I think. And like I said, if we don't, then great. You don't need any of this advice and everyone will be rich and happy. So I've got here a list of things that I think lessons that I've learned and things that I can uh, speak to from my own experience. This is not financial advice. It's just my experience lessons I've learned that other people might find helpful to them. Right. So let's, let's start from the beginning. So the first thing is if you're panicking, right? Like the other day, we just had a huge crash, 25%. Oh no, it's easy to wake up. All people are putting on Twitter, like, Oh, don't check the markets. Oh, I feel terrible. Blah, 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 blah. 
if you're panicking like that, here's a few things you could think about. The first thing is to just reduce your allocation, right? Like if you have too much money in crypto and it's going down is a big problem or it does stress you out, just sell some, just sell some, put it back in your, you know, British pounds or your USD or your what, wherever you want to put it, just do it. And um, in that, in that way, like that, that, that should just fix the problem right there. Right. If you had $1 in Bitcoin cash, you probably wouldn't be too stressed about whether the price was going up or down all that much. Right. Uh, So essentially, yeah, if you've got too much money in it and you can't handle and it's just stressing you out, just that's that's the simplest and quickest and most effective thing is is just sell some. Of course, you will then potentially regret that quite heavily when it later goes up. Uh, But the point is, it's not worth your mental health, right? And you're not going to be doing fine if you're just trying to constantly battle with yourself, stressed about whether the crypto market's up or down, particularly for people who end up watching the price a lot. And obviously some people, you know, watch it uh, more, more than others or, or, or whatever. Right. So that's the, that's the absolute number one piece of advice. If you're stressing out, that's an indication that you've got too much invested and you should sell out. Okay. But number, number two is be aware of anchor bias. So people have a, uh, need to attach themselves it's also called like similar like recency bias people attach themselves to what's happening right now in basketball it's called the hot hand like uh, fallacy right so if the price is $500 and it goes down to $350 that feels horrible but if it goes up to $400 then it feels great because in your mind you think well it was $350 and now it's $400 gosh $400 it's killing it but if the price is $500 and it just goes to $400, it doesn't go to $350, then you feel like, wow, gosh, $400, it's crashing, it's all over, it's terrible, right? So the price is the same, whether it's, it's $400, no matter how it got there, uh, but the way it got there impacts how you think about, oh, wow, this number is a good or a bad number. And if the price goes up a lot or down a lot and then stays at that number for a while, in your brain, you will start to think of that as the normal price and then judge, you know, price moves up or down like relative to that, right? So I think that's something that that people should really try and kind of keep in mind uh, when they're, when they're like once you're aware of that process, you'll notice it in yourself and it will become easier to handle uh, the price um, fluctuations. Okay, number three for my uh, tips is to visualize the printing of fiat currencies. So this this one's this one's kind of a a quick quick helper, right? This is not going to change your life or anything. Not like selling out is a more permanent move, but if you're just having a particular moment or a day where you're like, "Oh god, crypto is getting wrecked." This can really help, which is this I just think about those uh, videos, you know, you see on a documentary about the Federal Reserve or whatever with the, just the sheets of, of money getting printed out, like ka-chunk, 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 like thousands of these dollars just getting printed out. And that is happening 24-7. I mean, obviously, most of it isn't even physical. It's mostly just numbers getting typed into a computer. But having that visualization of the money just flowing out of the printer 24-7 really helps to remember why fiat currency is so pointless and useless basically because uh, then I I just think okay well I have my BCH I mean I could sell some 
but what well, I'm selling it for some pounds, which are also just getting uh, printed out of the printer at like light speed at the moment. That's obviously a bad move. Uh, and that, yeah, that makes it a lot easier to sort of be, not be worried about the, uh, the uh, price. I mean, yeah, if you sell out, like what else am I going to buy with my BCH? I could buy fiat currency. Okay. Well, that's constantly devaluing. I could buy gold or precious metals. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like the worst version of cryptocurrency. So that's, that's not a go. Uh, could buy stocks, but they're also just going up in fiat terms because of all the money printing. Uh, and I definitely don't have the time to research enough into which stocks to know which ones were the good picks. So yeah, I don't know that, that really helps me. And then uh, one more, and then uh, I'll give Chad a chance to get in here, but tip number four, again, these four tips for if you're panicking, reduce your allocation, be aware of the anchor bias, think about uh, fiat currency printing. And the fourth is just take a break. Like just, just switch off and just detach, just, you know, live a bit of life, right? Like crypto is largely a, an online kind of thing for a lot of people where it's all just numbers on a screen going up and down. And if you're watching your phone or you've got alerts set up or whatever you're doing, if it's, again, if it's stressing you out, just like put it down, go outside, you know, go for a run, go have a drink at the bar with a mate or something. Like it doesn't really matter what just uh, switching it around a little bit kind of uh, can can also make you feel better just because you come back tomorrow or a week later or, or even a month later or even a year later. Crypto, that's the other great thing about crypto. It has zero storage cost. So you can always just leave it be, do something completely different. And then just when you come back to crypto, it'll be kicking off more than it was when you left it. That's pretty much assured, right? So that that's all you kind of have to do. Um, yeah. Anyway, Jet, any any thoughts on this? What what do you do to handle uh, this sort of volatility? Hmm, I think it's actually like my. I have way less steps. Uh, first off, I think if you're panicked at all, you fucked up already. Like, hmm. Yeah prepare for the worst prepare for it to go to zero don't spend any more than you can afford to lose like i've been you know hearing this since i got into crypto if you if if yeah if you still yeah but also <laughs> if you quit your job uh and lived off of crypto savings and you didn't even have income in crypto then that's another fuck up on your end like if you have income uh savings or a little volatility in your, well, maybe even a lot of volatility in your savings, uh, isn't that big of a deal. And maybe I'm, I'm being biased because uh, be cashier, but I'm looking at 10 years, right? Like I don't give a shit about a two day, 25% dip. Uh, so yeah, get a job. <laughs> don't spend more than you can afford to lose and go touch grass. Like, yeah, it is just online. Like, and stop looking at the charts. I think that's a big one. It's it feeds people's neuroticism. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. It's good. Omar says in the chat, "Don't leave more money in fiat than you can afford to lose." I agree <laughs> with that actually, but but for the sake of you know, for the sake of the audience, for people who are not maybe as 
that far down the crypto rabbit hole, if you are newer to it and it is stressing you out, you know, even if obviously your fiat is devaluing, but it does it kind of slower, although at an increasing rate recently, but uh, it does do it, you know, slower and it's more predictable. And also you have more connection to that economy, probably because you're, you know, buying a, your groceries or whatever every week with your fiat currency so you can see like what's going on right where you maybe don't have a that with that connection to the bch economy so we'll we'll come back to that but uh you know so those were my tips for being panicked and then like you said you know prevention is better than cure so uh the what you want to do for a general mindset or general strategy is to think like i was talking about with those like we said on the previous slide about, you know, 2032, think about it on a five to a 10 year type of uh, timescale, which is that BCH is not really a, an investment. It's a currency uh, kind of like, like I was talking about last week with sovereign none, just think of it like a currency, not like an investment. That's a big difference between BCH and BDC as well. Not coincidentally, but if you think of it like a currency, it becomes less of an issue because you're not expecting it to be an investment. But obviously that's not realistic. Some people will still want to sort of invest in BCH. And if they're doing that, then uh, you know, you've got to commit to it knowing that it's going to be five or, or 10 years before it either works out or it doesn't, right? The volatility in the meantime is just, uh, is just kind of the natural uh, way the market always is so once you're thinking about it like on a 10-year uh, time frame then you can start dollar cost averaging right you don't know what the price is going to be this week next week next month next year you don't know right but you're betting over 10 years it'll be pretty good so if you just buy you know once every month for instance you get a portion of you know the funds or whatever that you're going to allocate and you plan it out okay over 10 years i'm gonna you know drip feed it in half a percent every month or something like that uh then you just do it like that and you can even double down on that i think uh might help some people sort of it helps me is you can have a regular dollar cost averaging so that over time you will uh get to sort of a fair market uh, value of what you bought but on top of that you can also just set aside a little bit of extra money which you call buy the crash. <laughs> I don't know if people always say buy the dip, but I think it's more like buy the crash. You set aside some uh, sneaky extra money in a little savings account or whatever. And when the price really struggles, like this week, when it drops massively, when everybody's really concerned, with, then you take some money out of that and you buy a bit extra because obviously then you're getting in at the cheap prices. But the fact of having set that plan up beforehand and having put the you know, set the money aside and all that means that when that happens, you start to feel panicked and then think, wait, no, this is, I knew this was coming and that's exactly what I already planned. And now I can buy some at a, at a cheaper price than I was already thrilled about um, last week. So uh, I, th- I think that can help people as well too. Dollar cost averaging and uh, buy the crash uh, type of fund. One thing that has never worked for me, so I don't, recommend it to anybody is to try and trade your way back into profit right as the price is volatile people get more worked up obviously and they see uh, there's a lot of volatility oh wow maybe i can make back my money by trading if i just sell it now and then i buy it back in you know when it's crashed and it's lower or if i go on some exchange it's definitely going down i'll just leverage it up 5x and i'll just make back all my money 
or whatever, that's probably not going to work, right? And there's two very good reasons to that. So the first reason is internal, which is that you're already stressed. You're already emotional. You're not necessarily going to be thinking as rationally as you would under other circumstances. So it's already a bad time to be trading. And the second thing is that you are probably not a trader unless you are a hedge fund, you know, trader professional in your full-time job, in which case you probably got more than enough of that in your system. Then you, you realize you're just competing against bots that are programmed perfectly rationally to, you know, uh, exploit fluctuations in the market or you are trading against experts, right? And it's just like, why would you get in the ring with Mike Tyson? Like there's no, there's no need to, to just try punching above your, your weight. You're going to get wrecked every single time. Uh, it's just the facts. So recognize that and don't try and trade your way back into profit. Uh, and then one other thing uh, that can really help uh, as a sort of a longer term strategy is to look at things that are not the price in terms of assessing how your investment or how the economy of BCH is going, which is the price can go up or down and it can be a nightmare or not. Uh, but I think it's really important. And that's one of the, one of the reasons that I started this podcast is that it provides a better signal for if the economy of BCH is doing well or not. Right. So I have even created a page to make this for my own use. I use this page, but everybody else uh, can check it out too. If you go to www.bitcoincashpodcast.com slash stats, I update. Uh, I'm now doing it once every month. I did it uh, yesterday uh, or, or this morning. I put up the stats of how the podcast is doing. I put up how many YouTube subs it's got, how many Twitter subs it's got, how many... Um, you know, uh, telegram, uh, people are chatting about it. Right. And on, on top of that, I also put the page views for that site, bitcoincashpodcast.com. Uh, and I also put the audio downloads for the podcast as well too. All that information is there. And on top of that is links to, uh, other places that you can find stats about, uh, Bitcoin cash and, you know, real economic, uh, usage or whatever. And so if you take a look at that page, you can see whether or not the actual economy, the actual interest is growing regardless of the sort of the price, right? So I do recommend looking at those things. And one other thing that I do also track, which I think is really good, is the subs, uh, the subscribers at reddit.com slash r slash BTC, which is the sort of traditional stronghold of the you know, Bitcoin cash uh, discussion. And right now that's up to nearly 775,000 subscribers which is insane because our bitcoin the sort of main subreddit which the btc side have control of they have about they have like 3.8 like so you know roughly coming up to 4 million uh subscribers so bch is about you know 15 to 20 percent of that size and yet the price is you know less than one percent right so and the numbers recently been rocketing up as well too a lot of people have been subscribing to that subreddit so that's another thing that you can just look at and see, yeah, given five or 10 years for all this increased interest to play out, it kind of seems a no-brainer that the the community is doing fine. And that should also panic you less about the um, the the price. I don't know. Do you want to get in here, Jed, or do you want me to go on with this uh, this uh, next section of advice? Not, not advice. Mm. 
no, I think I'm good. Uh, I I do think it's interesting that BTC is increasing because like, uh, I found the quality of the posts over the past couple of months to be decreasing, and I completely left Reddit. So, yeah, there's been there's a lot of bot spam on that subreddit. By the way, people should uh, follow. You know, if you're gonna go get in the mix on RBDC, uh, then do it. But I recommend. Uh, that you download there's a plugin called reddit enhancement suite res and what it lets you do is it lets you it tracks when you upvote or downvote different users and you can also tag them uh as well with like a custom thing that just only shows to you it doesn't impact anything else and so in that way you can if you use this the subreddit for a couple of uh weeks you'll start to see patterns of like wait a second this guy i've got like 50 green uh upvotes on this guy that's obviously like a real person. And then you'll see some, which is like 10, you know, negative red down votes and you'll see, okay, uh, this is like either somebody who's just there to cause grief or it's a bot basically um, because the community is so pro free speech. It does have like a lot of sort of bots and shills that in other communities would just get banned, but that's how our Bitcoin does it. So our BDC is trying to sort of uh, stand apart. So yeah, I think, the other thing as well to do is use the old Reddit layout. You can go to old.reddit.com. Let me just check that. I'm pretty sure that's the domain. Yeah, if you go to old.reddit.com, it gives you the original layout, which is about a thousand times easier to read and understand what's going on uh, rather than going to the regular, well, the new updated one, which sucks and it's so confusing. So use old.reddit.com and use Reddit Enhancement Suite uh, and and our BDC will, will be a lot more comprehensible as to what's going on. Um, yeah, just some tips there. Right, so then the third uh, thing, so we talked about what about if you're panicked, we talked about having a long-term mindset and all that, and then the, the most directly actionable points immediately is to try and participate in the economy, try and be a part of the BCH community and uh, economy. It doesn't have to be you know, as severe as this podcast, doing it every week and being really involved. It's it's really just about, um, you know, finding a small way to, to be involved. So ask your job if they can give you 5% of their salary in BCH. And maybe that will take you a little while to organize, right? But you could do that. And then once you do that, go on noise.cash, have a look at a few of the the posts, find somebody who's like, oh, well, that's a pretty good point. And then send them $2 in BCH. And just in those two little actions there, you've earned some Bitcoin cash and then you've spent some Bitcoin cash. And in doing that, you will be much more, A, convinced that it's a working currency. Uh, and then also you'll start to think a little bit in terms of, how many BCH did I earn? You start thinking I earned $10 of BCH and I spent $2. But as you do that more and more, you'll start thinking, oh, I earned 20 millibitcoin cash and I spent three and a half you know, millibitcoin cash. And once that loop starts to form in your mind, you'll start to become less worried about the price in, in, uh, in smart, uh, in uh, USD or in any other uh, currency because you'll start accounting mentally to yourself as to what you earned in bch and what you spent in bch and that's also kind of as soon as you're earning in bch you have a natural form of dollar cost averaging which is you know when the price is going down you'll probably likely earn more units of bch uh you know so if you have your salary or whatever is fixed in fiat 
but then the BCH rate will fluctuate, right? So you'll either earn more or less. And then once you start doing that, you're already doing the dollar cost averaging that I was talking about before um, naturally. And so, yeah, like me telling you on this podcast that the economy is growing or that on a 10-year time frame or that it's a great currency, none of those things are necessarily going to be that convincing to you. I can talk till I'm blue in the face. Ultimately, your experience will be much more reassuring to you that, I'm not just making this up uh, than than anything else. So so be be sort of involved in those uh, simple ways. I mean, there's other things you can do as well. Try out Smart BCH. Put some coins on there. Look up the YouTube videos and learn a bit about that. Or go to a meetup. You know, meet some real people that uh, about crypto or about BCH. And once you're talking to those people, you discover yeah, they're having the same problems with volatility as me. But there's there's a real thing. It's not all just names on a screen. You know. Gone. <laughs> Do you have something to say? Oh no, it didn't. No, nope. I was closing okay, some right, chapstick. Right. It might have gotten picked up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, that's it. And then obviously, if you're going to be the really hardcore mode, uh, you know, start a community project, right? Like sort of similar to this podcast, but it can be, you know, whatever. You can make some uh, content, or you can go out and get some businesses to adopt, you know, Bitcoin Cash. You can talk to your local grocery store that you buy from every week. And say, hey, will you guys accept Bitcoin Cash and show them how to download a wallet and send them a little bit of money and convince them and then go there and spend it every week. You know, you can be as proactive uh, uh, as, you know, as suits your kind of lifestyle and options. That's the whole point. It's just decentralized. You just do whatever you want. But uh, that will also help you to be reassured (laughs) definitely that this is a real thing and it's not just some fanciful internet bullshit that is going to vanish uh tomorrow so yeah i'll just run through those all once more again uh they're on the slides so if anybody needs to refer back to them they're all there if you're panicked cut down your allocation think about your anchor bias think about fiat money getting printed take a break if you need to think about things over the like 10 year time frame dollar cost average in buy a crash fund don't don't do trading look at the real growth and then yeah get involved and the more involved you are the more clear it'll be so that is all of my hard one experiential uh advice and i think if you know anybody listening applies those ideas over the next five years you'll 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 be fine and you'll handle crypto volatility uh no problem so at the end of this we're just gonna you know there's a good a good bit of news uh, to end all this very negative sounding, you know, ways to avoid getting stressed out and whatever, which is that the BCH is is actually pretty strong. Like I was saying before, in a bear market, it's got a very very hardcore community. It was not started by a bunch of VC investors that are holding ninety five percent of the supply and can just sell it all out and just crash you into oblivion. And now we have smart BCH. Uh, burning coins as well too so as that grows in popularity it also helps to support the uh, price via a sort of indirect airdrop uh, to everyone else that's now burned more than 200 coins i saw today so for all of those reasons a lot of the other currencies are going to massively struggle right if we do go into a full-on winter like they're already i mean bch is crashing and they're all crashing but uh, bch hits a floor at a certain point because people actually need it people actually use it this is a real you know community and if you go and you look at some of the other communities you'll discover 
they don't have a subreddit with 700,000 subs. They probably, you know, a lot of them don't have a podcast dedicated to covering exactly what's going on in that community. A lot of them don't have, well, almost all of them, except for, you know, the other Bitcoin communities haven't been around for 13 years uh, and survived, you know, problem after problem after problem. Uh, some of the big ones, this doesn't apply to, right? Like Ethereum, that's that's pretty solid. That's probably not going anywhere. But loads of the other ones that everybody is hyped and excited about, they're just they're just air, and anybody can do a bit of investigation in those communities and and find that out. There's be a lot of price hype or a lot of like this is the newest greatest tech, which is going to be the greatest thing. But as you dig into it and you try and you know use those apps or find out you know what's going on on the community message boards or something, if the price starts dropping, those things will, will dry up. Uh, and dry up kind of fast and especially for coins that have had a huge amount of vc investor money that's the same as any other like tech boom all the money piles in everybody feels like they're a genius because even it doesn't matter what you're doing it's going to be working if money is just being shoveled into the fire but uh, as soon as the things take a bit of a downturn well then suddenly it's not it's not so easy and all that misallocated capital comes back to bite because starts to dry up you know yeah oh you're muted no further points on that nope okay all right so that's it uh and i'll i I don't know i'm glad i've done this because uh this has been on my mind for a while and now seems like a pretty pretty great time to do it so that's the bear market survival guide good luck (laughs) um all right so we got community comment of the week uh, and both community comment and meme of the week are sort of uh, adding to this uh, theme. So comes from at David Shattuck 8, David Shattuck, shout out, who uh, posted on Twitter, want to know which crypto communities are trying to change the world and which are just gambling in the crypto casino to get more fiat. Simply look how they respond to market crashes. Slash R slash BDC, no one cares. Slash R slash cryptocurrency, panic. And that's exactly what it is. You can go on the cryptocurrency subreddit right now, all the top, 25 posts of people complaining about the price either directly or indirectly or reassuring each other that it's going to be fine or it's like a bunch of headless chickens right that's just what everybody is doing and saying <coughs> but our btc <coughs> there's maybe like one post if that and it kind of gets downvoted because everybody's like god we just don't care you know yeah. uh can we actually focus on that's why it's important following it on its rise of global reserve currency it's about the mission it's about peer-to-peer cash it's about creating a new economy it's not about getting rich being a ponzi schema like bdc so i didn't know uh, that the uh, yeah. the price had dipped like i turned off most of my phone notifications and somehow a bitcoin.com wallet one snapped through and uh that kind of surprised me i was like oh god damn we're down you know 24 24 percent the last i checked but then this morning, I was like, well, I'm off exchanges, so opening up a couple Telegram groups. Who wants to sell me some Bitcoin cash? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A great time to earn. People would make a sort of meme about earn the dip. That's exactly what it should be. You shouldn't be buying the dip. You should, as much as possible, be trying to earn the dip. When the price is down, great time to be earning money in uh, Bitcoin cash, like I was talking about before, with getting, getting a little bit of your salary, uh, whatever, allocated there. Okay, and then we got meme of the week. So this one comes from Blockworks. This isn't even like really technically a meme so much, but uh, I thought it could kind of fit in here. 
And I have my own beef with uh, Blockworks because they're pretty uh, Bitcoin maxi, to be honest. But they do have some good posts. So this was one of them. Uh, it's times Bitcoin died according to the media. So they've got a list of them all here. So 2010, it was once because nobody even knew about Bitcoin. But it was funny that it was already getting on the radar of it's dead. 2011, six times. 2012, once. 2013, 17 times. 14, 29 times, 15, 39 times, 16, 28 times, 17, 124 times. So that just goes to show you like after the bubble peaked and after it crashed, but it also had a lot of interest, 124 uh, articles or whatever that they had uh, uh, of Bitcoin's dead. 2018, 93 times, 2019, 41 times, 2020, 14 times, 2021 times, 47 times. They've CC'd 99bitcoinshq.com, who are the, like the ones who have uh, uh, the obituaries panel where you can go you can go and read them. If you just type in Bitcoin obituaries, 99 bitcoins, you'll find the site. And you can read. They have this incredible archive of now, you know, hundreds of articles. Bitcoin's dead. This has killed Bitcoin. It's all over. Everybody's sold. It's never going to... You know, that's really what we're talking about with the long-term thinking. Like... You, the longer you're in it, the more you're just like, no, it's actually fine. Is the network still processing transactions? Yes. Are they cheap? Yes. Is there still, you know, millions of people in the world holding crypto and excited to transact and trade it and build more apps and companies around it? Yes. Well, there you go. It's actually not that dead. You know, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Like that's <laughs> basically Bitcoin's like mantra, you know? So that should hopefully also help to just uh, not panic a bit uh, about what's going on so yeah that's that's kind of it or yeah message to the community do you have do you have anything you want to say Jed? or you've had a couple of uh, these recently uh i'm happy to i'm happy to let me think what do i want to tell the community uh i don't know thank you just thank you for listening i hope you've you've enjoyed the last year uh it's been really fun for me like i said it's actually kind of flown by a little bit and uh should be an, another good year in 2022 so yeah wherever you are in the world whatever's going on in your life if you're having a tough time like i was one year ago then uh i hope uh, i hope you push through it like uh you know time 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 can fix a lot of issues you know as long as you just uh keep your head above water as long as you're still in the game you still uh still got good chances uh, it's going to go well, right? So, yeah, I think that's really my message to the community. And <laughs> that's it. We'll go to the last slide then. You know, thanks for the, uh, you know, thank you to all the donations. Uh, and I want to shout out as well, Ricky. I got my first uh, Patreon subscriber, which completely shocked me because uh, I started that in the early days to see if anybody would, uh, subscribe and nobody did which made sense because everybody was like oh this fiat <laughs> bullshit like if anybody wanted to uh donate they would just do it in bch which is obviously great right um but anyway somehow or another he found the link and uh and subscribed uh so thank you very much i will of course be market buying bch <laughs> with that money um but yeah the start guide and faqs and or a lot of extra links and stuff are available at Bitcoin Cash Podcast dot uh, com, and yeah, Jet, Jet, any uh, shout outs or anything you want to want to get in there at the end? Mm. No, honestly, I think 
I think you know what my 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 shout out is uh, you know for the people I've known in the Bitcoin Cash scene since I got involved. You know, hopefully twenty twenty two things let up. I'm meeting you bastards. I'm traveling around. I'm gonna shake some hands. That's that's it. 2022, the year of meat space handshaking. Yeah. I love it. I'll give you uh, a hug. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. We've definitely gotta gotta try and uh try and line that up. Uh yeah, let's let's try and make it happen. All right, cool. Go back well, to the intro. Do it. Close it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit him with the intro again. Put a lot of lot of work into that intro. So All yeah. Right. Uh, hit him with that. Until next time. Thanks, everyone. There will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. We're coming for you, banks. Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split, we bankrupt you. So do you use Lightning wallets to pay for things or not? No. Bitcoin Cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than... Bitcoin. Miles, tell me, what's your favorite kind of money? Um, Bitcoin cash.